So last night I had a bit of a nightmare where, well, the details don't really matter, but it was something related to my partner, Molly, and I was just very grateful to wake up and I'm very appreciative and grateful for having her in my life. And I feel that way regularly all the time, but then there are those moments where I feel extra special for having someone like her to spend my life with. And it, when I woke up this morning, I felt inspired to put together a, a list, a thread, a series of tweets about INTP dating advice. Because, well, I, to be fair, I have not dated in over a decade, but there are things that I remember, things that I recall, and also supporting INTPs and uh, their growth and your growth um, really means it's, it's a lot to me to share uh, some of my challenges and things that I've learned so that maybe some of the things you don't have to learn the hard way, some things still come with experience and things that you just have to, you know, get dirty with and try to figure out as you go and figure out how you adapt to your circumstances. But uh, I think there are some things that I can at least give you some advice for what to look for so that if you are actively looking for someone that you really do want to spend time with and, and uh, connect with, then uh, I can at least try to support you on that, on this Valentine's edition of Dopamine. And so before we get started, there is a book that I would recommend all INTPs who are interested in romance and dating check out. And it is called Love Factually. And I believe it is written by an INTP, a female INTP. I forget her name, unfortunately. I haven't read the book in a while. But I remember it being a book that I read in my early 20s, and it changed my perspective on dating, especially from an INTP perspective. It takes a more informational approach to dating and thinking about thinking about dating and mating and relationships from a thinker perspective in like an observational perspective and thinking about you know, what are the human mating rituals? You know, what do we have to just kind of go through? What are the things that we need to consider? And uh, I think those are some of the things I'm going to bring up in this podcast as well. So I hope you'll stick around, have a good listen and see if this will resonate with you and, and go out into the world and, and give it a try. So audibletrial.com slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. I will be changing the URL soon, but um, as of this recording, that is the one. So go check that out. You get a free month of Audible, and you get access to one free ebook. So you can go use that credit to go get that book. So you literally can go get it for free. You don't have to pay anything. Just go do the thing. Go. It's a great book. It's amazing. Um, there's also another one now that I think about it called Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. Uh, I think I read it about maybe five or six years ago because, I mean, I've always been generally interested in in um, dating and relationships and, and culture around that. And modern romance really looks at the difference between modern dating, at least within the last 10 years, versus, you know, maybe dating 50 or 60 years ago. 
and what the differences are in sort of mindset and uh, how options really change the game. So Modern Romance is another example. So Love Factually or Modern Romance, I think you can go check out either one of those books. So without further ado, let's hit the button and do the thing and let's go. This episode is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. Inspired by actual events, the series tells the story of Truman Capote and the women he betrayed. The original housewives, they were society's most elite women. Rich, glamorous socialites who defined a bygone era of high society New York. From creator Ryan Murphy, this drama series features an all-star cast, including Naomi Watts, Demi Moore, and Diane Lane. FX's Feud premieres January 31st on FX Stream on Hulu. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. All right, welcome back to Dopamine. As I mentioned, uh, this episode is all about romantic dating and mating and all of that stuff for INTPs. Not the act of mating. We're not going to go through all of those details, but uh, this is just something to share a little bit of my personal dating advice and some things that I've heard from INTPs in terms of the questions that they've had. And... um, you know, what I suspect may be helpful to INTPs who are entering the dating pool or maybe are frustrated by it or have abandoned it altogether. And so I'm going to be referencing a thread that I had on Twitter. It's at Let's Go C-Note is where my Twitter handle is. And this is a little bit more of an intimate episode. I am literally just laying in bed doing this recording on my phone and just hanging out. So let's snuggle together. <laughs> and make a podcast and talk about this stuff. So one of the first things that I think is important is to remember that when you're dating, and this is no particular order, by the way, I can't, there's, it's going to be a little bit random access, but we'll cover as much, as much as we can. Uh, So the first thing being that to remember that you're human and they are also human. Now I know there's all these memes and stereotypes around the internet about INTPs being robots, being cold, and not uh, very receptive to social cues and things like that. That's not the case on a holistic level. I think as an INTP, what happens is that you have a natural preference for your thinking, and therefore the feeling side and the people side just doesn't get as much attention, right? It's not that extroverted feelers or FJs have a natural propensity for people 
so much as they have more of a natural curiosity for people. And so from the start, they have more of a, an inbuilt desire to learn about social norms, cultural norms, how to adjust the vibe, meet people's needs, and all of that stuff. Whereas INTPs, we're trying to understand things. We're trying to understand the nature of the existence. We're trying to ask questions. We're trying to figure things out ourselves. And, you know, that doesn't always work out in the dating world. And sometimes that translates to challenges if you're trying to treat yourself and other people as objective bits of data. And so what does help is being emotionally curious about another person. And starting there, right? So practice interviewing and being interested in people and uh, what makes them tick, right? So uh, not in a cold investigative way, you know, practice smiling, practice uh, little niceties and things like that. But be curious about the other person. Ask them not just the basic small talk, but, you know, tell me your life story. Tell me about yourself. Um, what kinds of music do you like? What are you interested in? Do you play video games? Do you like video games? What kind of video games do you like? What's your, what's your favorite Super Nintendo game or something like that? And if you find common ground, especially, that's a really, really great place to start. So I think it's important to remember that you're human and they're human and that you're, you're going to have to adjust your expectations accordingly for both yourself and the other person and to, also play in the world of people because you're perhaps, you know, used to just playing in the world of data. And so simply just remember that you are a person and that they are a person. And in that same idea, remember that you're, you know, you have a, you may have particular specialized interests or things that you're thinking about in random access or things that you are connecting a lot of dots to. And something that we like to do as INTPs is make sure that the person that we're talking to has full context for something that we're thinking about. We want them to be able to track with our complete line of thinking. It's basically what I make my podcast on, right? That's like why this is an INTP podcast, because this is my tendency. And not everyone wants to hear me ramble, <laughs> but not everyone wants to hear you ramble. You know, eventually the person that you love and that you connect with is going to want to hear you, is going to want to uh, not want to, but maybe can handle more of the rambling than the average person. But when you're on a date, you're trying to make a first impression and rambling doesn't always make a good impression. And what I mean by that is not necessarily to be insecure about your rambling, but just to check in, just to have enough awareness of when maybe you're going on and on or, or taking up the conversation to a degree that the other person is not saying much. They're not curious about what you're, they're not even reacting to what you're saying or they're not having anything to react to because you haven't gotten to the point yet. <laughs> so uh, all I'm saying is to check in with the other person. Like, is this making sense? Am I going on too long? Is this too boring? Is this something interesting? And and not in an insecure way, just literally checking in and asking them or checking in if they're doing okay, not how they're feeling about you, but just like if they're still interested and just be willing to switch the conversation. Um, if you're not able to switch the conversation, that's more of a compulsivity challenge than it is a, uh, thinker 
challenge, right? It's the ability to, and then that comes with practice, right? That comes with practice to get in different contexts and be able to adapt and say like, okay, this isn't the right context for me to go down this rabbit hole because I wasn't prompted to, or that they're not quite interested in this, or, um, that's maybe when the, it's the right time to turn, turn it over and ask more questions of them. And, uh, I always think it's better when you're on a date to try to let them try to get them to talk more than you are. Uh, and, and remember that your insecurity is your problem, not theirs. And generally insecurity is not very attractive. And so, you know, insecurity is natural. Like it's, it's natural to feel maybe that you are not worthy of this person's attention or that you don't feel smart because you're only specialized in a smart way or that you're not socially, um, adept. And, uh, that can make you feel all sorts of different ways. You can feel nervous. You can feel rambly. You can feel sweaty. Right. And it's really easy to, to feel all sorts of discomforts, around, um, various things, you know, I, I'm short, I'm five foot four and I've always been insecure about my height. Um, not so in the last, probably in the last 10 years or so, there was a point where I, when there's, when it comes to like physical things, like things you can't really change, like there's things like weight, you can work on that. You can, um, but there's certain types of things with weight that you really can't, maybe it's more of a body, shape kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, muscle or, or bone, you know, you got big bones or something, right? And you can't change anything about that. Or you're super tall and you can't change anything about that. You're a tall woman or a short man, or, uh, there's something about you that you just can't change. And that's uh, a path of acceptance. Um, because when you have a path of acceptance for you and things that you can't change, then, that becomes a criteria for the person that you're attempting to date, right? Because some people are just more or less accepting than others when it comes to physical things, right? My, and even my, my wife, Molly and I, we've talked about the fact that we spoke on the phone first for a long time before we met and we both admitted to each other. She's five ten, I'm five, four. Right. And so we're, we're kind of a visual mismatch, um, though we've had a few people be able to spot uh, quickly that we're a couple. Uh, it's not always obvious. And, you know, so it's funny because we'll go out and like someone might hit on me or someone might hit on Molly and not realize that we're together. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's kind of an interesting from a social experiment perspective, but also for us, we both admitted to each other that like, if we had just met each other on the street somewhere, like we may not have given each other a second thought. And, uh, it's really interesting to take that into consideration when you are starting to date, like maybe to have conversations first before you meet each other and get to know each other, because the shallow stuff can kind of get in the way. And the shallow stuff ultimately doesn't matter in totality, like you've, you know, attraction's important physically. Um, and if the other person, like it's, it's even more potent and obvious that if you have a connection with someone and then you meet them and then the connection doesn't work out, that there was something that they couldn't accept in you or you couldn't accept in them. And if all I'm saying is that if you're willing to accept that in yourself first, then that's not going to hurt as much. 
right? Like I'm short. I can't do anything about that. Like, so I'm not going to harp on it. I was worried about it. And then I brought it up first. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to make it some sort of a surprise, right? <laughs> it wasn't going to be like, surprise, I'm five foot four. You know, I was upfront about it. I was very clear about some of those things. So I didn't make it an insecure thing. I wasn't like, Hey, I'm five foot four. And, uh, I'm really worried that you're not going to like me. I brought it up because I was like, you know, some people just don't have that preference. And if you don't have that preference, let's, or, or that openness, you know, let's cut that off now. And that's kind of what I mean. So what I'm saying is, is that your insecurity is your problem and your insecurity is something for you to work on either in terms of a reframe, or maybe it is something that like you exercise more if you want to feel better about yourself physically or, um, any other aspects of, of what you're dealing with, or there's like growth things or, or insecurities about trust. You know, those are things that like a new relationship is not going to fix. So those are things that need, um, some, some working on for yourself. And what I'm saying about insecurity is that you can bring that to a conversation and you can be constantly seeking validation from the other person which still makes it about you. And really when dating is like way more comfortable when the two people are trying to connect and get to know the other person, instead of trying to attract the energy towards them, towards yourself, if that makes sense. So being insecure and trying to get validation is another way of like ping ponging the energy back to yourself. You're not really giving them the ball. You're just, you're kind of like throwing a tennis ball off of the top of their head. Like, Hey, can you tell me I'm pretty? Can you tell me I'm funny? <laughs> can you tell me I'm great? Uh, and that's, that's kind of how that feels when someone's just trying like insecure and throwing it at you. Right. So when it comes to finding a date, I'd say it's a good idea to find a date through a shared interest or value of some kind. Because shared interest and values are really a, it's a strong marker of success in relationships. Like if you're fundamentally opposed to each other's values and it's something you care about all the time and talk about all the time, that's going to be a constant rub in the relationship, right? Not the good kind of rub. So that's something to consider. And also if you're two very, very different people who just don't have overlaps in interests, you know, the idea of opposites attract is, is not really valid. It's more of like a Venn diagram, right? You have to have individual interests. You have to treat your relationship like a third entity, which we talk about. Molly and I talk about in a program we created on our website, a new URL, happychemicals.org.org. Happychemicals.org goes to the teachable website. And on that website, there is a course called finding and maintaining relationships for INTPs which you can go check out that Molly and I created to help INTPs connect with people and have re uh, effective relationships and maintaining, maintain those relationships. And I'll probably put this podcast in there as well uh, for you to be able to reference at any time. And so what was I talking about? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, finding a date through shared interests. So if you have a specialized interest and I think many INTPs do 
you know, it could be video games, a specific type of video game. It could be Magic the Gathering. It could be Dungeon Dragons to be super cliche. But maybe, I don't know, maybe it's more nuanced than that. Maybe it's like disc golf. Maybe you're into weightlifting. Maybe you're into cooking. Maybe you're into weed. Um, maybe you're an artist. Maybe you are a particular type of artist. Uh, you can go to gallery shows. You can go to... Uh, different venues and events that will have those types of people there or meetup.com where you just go to a meetup where you're maybe you like hiking you you can go to a hiking meetup or something and just meet people who are of similar interest because then you have things to talk about right off the bat especially if there's something that has in speak you're sort of like in the door already you don't have to start from scratch and start from nothing. And I think those interests are really helpful. Like Molly and I really started to connect over, uh, mental health conversations, uh, entrepreneur stuff. We were really starting to get into building businesses and we were also connecting over Myers-Briggs cause we understood each other's personality type and we were both exploring that for the first time. And so now we have that as a shared language and we're also both artists. Now, this is where the overlap makes sense, the Venn diagram stuff, because we're both artists, but she's more of a fine artist and I'm a creative service person. So there are ways that, you know, you complement each other and can not only overlap, but then have different perspectives, right? I'm a thinker. I'm an INTP. She's an ENFP. And her, as an ENFP, she brings this emotional consideration that I would totally miss or not care about or think about. And I bring a thinker perspective that helps her to not just rely on her own rationalizing of a feeling she's having, but can actually listen to my sort of uh, breaking down of the data of a situation to say like, no, that's the working in bias. That's, that's not you actually being um, looking at the data. There's still a personal thing there. So we help each other to complement each other and support each other, but we have so much in common also in terms of like comic books and, and, going to museums and uh, movies that we watch and, and, you know, a million other things. So that really makes it a much more fulfilling experience. Um, and speaking of complimenting, when you're literally complimenting something, someone saying going on a date and you meet them for the first time, uh, I always recommend to compliment people based on their choices, not on their body parts, right? So you always see the cliche. It's like, oh, you've got such pretty eyes or you've got like such a lovely smile or like your hair looks nice. Um, the hair might work because if you are, you can see that they put extra effort, right? Then you can compliment that. But really, I recommend to compliment choices. So if they chose their outfit or they, you know, created made their hair in a certain way. Um, or as you're going through the date, maybe you're going to dinner and they make a choice for a type of food. We're like, Oh, that's a really good choice. Um, I think people really admire or appreciate when their choices are validated. So if you notice those things, I think that's important or little details, right? If they have like little adornments or a scarf or like a bracelets or something like, Oh, that's really nice. Something that some little detail, especially as an INTP, I think part of the tertiary introverted sensing um, ego hit that we might get is being able to notice a little detail about someone or a personalization and maybe something that can reference something from their past and they can sort of extrapolate on and, and, and give a little more conversation about. I think that's always helpful.
something to think about too is to when you go on a date or before you go on a date to not put the other person largely because of insecurity or maybe a, a certain overinflation of confidence to not put them on a pedestal or to belittle them and just to stay on equal ground, right? You're, you're on equal footing. You're both there to try to have a good time to get to know each other. And it's not that, you know, the other person's in charge because maybe they bring a feminine energy and the feminine is in charge of the gatekeeping and the masculine is in charge of the, the key master situation. It's, it's, I would especially implore men to remember that you are also, you're not just trying to eagerly get her in the bedroom, that you are also getting to know whether she likes you. And also for women who maybe are, you know, they're still very much like the fairy tale thinking for a lot of people. And I don't know if you've ever watched the show Love is Blind, but there's a lot of that. And this idea of like rushing into the fairy tale idea of a wedding and getting married and settling down and all of this stuff. Right. And that may rush people into making settling decisions or brash decisions. And I think in this day and age with more options than ever before, there is room to be able to go for what you want and to not just settle. Um, but also there is a degree of good enough. <laughs> so not to be too picky, but then also to not be, uh, not settle for what you would consider, you know, sloppy or, or not some, someone you would want to spend time with, um, on a regular basis because of your, you know, not let the fantasy take over to be with the person and, and, you know, all of that stuff. And so what's important from an ITP perspective is that, yes, you are human, as I said before, and you have to do the human mating rituals of conversation and being interesting. I've been trying to make this point with myself and other people lately is that if there is a tsunami coming, it doesn't make sense to point at the tsunami and say that tsunami should not be there. It doesn't matter. It's coming, right? And if you, you are a person that has the impulse to find a partner, to find companionship, to socialize and to spend time with someone, then you got to play the game, right? And all sometimes we, as INTPs, we use logic to keep ourselves on the bench, to keep ourselves from playing the game, to keep ourselves from participating in life, to keep ourselves from trying and putting ourselves out there. Because I understand that putting yourself out there can lead to embarrassment and absolutely can but it also always leads to growth. Failure is an opportunity. And so if you go out on a date and it doesn't work out, I've had plenty of dates that have not worked out in the past and you learn from each one. And that's how I've gotten to be able to do this podcast because I've learned from each one and you've really got to participate. And if you don't feel like you're good at small talk or you don't have anything interesting to talk about, then collect some life experience before you start dating, right? Date around to get to know varying personalities, get to know different people and just be honest, you know, be honest, but you also got to perform, right? So be honest, but also not be honest about every little thing. Maybe you can exaggerate a little bit. Maybe you can, um, just be expressive smile. You'll practice smiling while you're speaking, right? You know, you don't just, you're not bringing your everyday self to a date, right? Dress up a little bit, get some help and, um, 
make sure that you don't overdo it either, right? So don't just wear the black t-shirt and the black jeans. Uh, find someone who can give you a little bit of help with getting something that will uh, show a little bit of color, especially if you can show something that's a little bit more vibrant and lively, right? And you're not deceiving, you're embellishing, right? You're picking things that you would like. You're not going to wear something that you wouldn't enjoy wearing, but it's just going to be more. You're just amping up, right? That's the idea here. And I don't see it as manipulative or deceiving. You're just turning up the dial, right? So with that same idea, practice small talk and see it as an access point. It's a way of feeling each other out. So a great way to practice is to go to a coffee shop every day. Um, not, not even to, if you can't even afford it, just like go and say hi to the barista and, and ask for a cup of water and just, you know, try to make some small talk, maybe practice a joke, um, or be just practice smiling, you know, pick one thing every day that you're just like, ask or practice asking for an unusual item and banter back and forth about how unusual the item is or something. Or comment about something that is going on in pop culture, right? Not in the news. That just gets real sour real fast. But something in pop culture that maybe is interesting to talk about. Or practice complimenting with what I said, like complimenting a choice. So if there's a, if you do go to like a Starbucks or something and you see someone is wearing a particular bracelet or someone who's waiting for a coffee has a, a shawl that they're wearing or something and they grab their drink and on their way out, you'd be like, Oh, I really love that shawl. That's really nice. And you're not putting any stakes on it. You're not trying to get them to woo you. You're not, this isn't like a thing where you're, they're like, Oh really? And just drop the shawl and their clothes, right? You're just trying to give them a compliment and distance yourself from the idea of getting a reward for giving a compliment. You're just giving a compliment, right? You're giving a gift. Giving a gift is about giving, giving. You're not, it's not about receiving. Maybe you will happen to receive, um, but it's not with the intention because that intention will skew what you're saying. So uh, assign someone what I think is really interesting too, is to assign someone in your life to be a follow-up person for the date that you go on to talk about how you feel about the person uh, because extroverted feeling, right? Is the inferior function for INTPs. And so we've got to extrovert how we feel about that person. If we just think about it, you might use logical reasonings and be like, uh, I don't know. They were kind of, uh, I don't know how I feel about them. I, they had a nice, they had nice teeth. <laughs> you might be like kind of analytical about their, what you've experienced. Whereas if you're talking to someone, you're like, you know what? We really did have a good conversation. We, I don't know. It was a lovely ambiance. They really, you know, they had a really good rapport with the waiter. I was really like impressed with how they smoothly talked to everyone or I don't know, something like that. Or, or, you know, I like the way that this looked on them or, whatever. And the more you just talk, you more, you get a sense of like how you, your raw feelings are. And, um, if you're not sure about how they feel about you after like the first date or on the first date, like ask for feedback, but don't be pushy, you know, especially at the end, he's like, D did you enjoy the, did you enjoy this? Um, I hope it was all right. Um, but again, not try to be all like, 
coy and self-protective and insecure about it. Like, I really hope you enjoyed the date. I know you don't deserve to, I know I don't deserve to be around you, but I really hope you enjoyed yourself. You know, you're just genuinely asking, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, and you know, and then just take the answer and run with it. Right. Um, what I think is important too, is that if you know that you like them while on the date, then ask for a second date. And also, if you know that you didn't like them, then don't promise a second date. <laughs> Take a moment, think clearly, make the the proper choice that you want to make and uh, ask. I also think it's important to have an exit strategy or a check-in plan with someone at a certain time so you don't get stuck in an uncomfortable situation. I know it's really easy. There's something about extroverted feeling that the inferior function that can get very binary. And I think with INTPs and extroverted feeling, it can be really hard to leave a situation. You might feel trapped in a feeling, even if that feeling is not a great feeling, right? So if you're like, oh, this is not a very good date and I don't know how to like politely back off or I don't, because normally I would just walk away, right? <laughs> As an INTP, I would just turn and leave the situation but you're one-on-one -on, -one on a date with this person that would be not great to do that um, or maybe you like them as a friend and you want to stay friends with them um, I think having a point in time during the date where you're like maybe your friend texts you and checks in and then you have a plan in action and that friend just texts you and saying like uh, you know, something serious and you need to go do something or, or handle something important. Right. Don't make it a lie necessarily. Maybe just maybe make plans. And, um, and if things are going well, go follow through with the plans. And if they're not, uh, don't follow through with the plans. And if they're not going well, then go follow through with the plans. Right. Um, so if your concern is lying, don't lie, make, you know, make plans. Say it's like one of my, my friend's birthday party or something, if it is that, um, or my friend is having a gathering at his house and he wants me to go do that. So, and I have to go do X and Y and Z or something like that. Nothing where the other person could say, well, can I come? <laughs> or, but even so you can always say like, well, you know, no one really knows you. I don't know if that's the right time, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, uh, some other important notes, always meet in public for security reasons. And, um, making sure that, uh, again, like the person knows where you, like your, your contact, your point of contact person knows where you are. This is for, for anybody. Um, because you just, you don't, you never know who you're going to meet. There's catfishing situations that happen all of the time. So be careful. Um, something that I think the book, the love factually book covers really well is that, um, Putting out on the first date, that means having sex on the first date, may affect, may have effects on motivation for respect in the relationship and for each other and skew long-term expectations. And there's more detail in the book, but I'm saying this uh, personally from a, like a brain studies perspective, not a personal philosophical opinion, because I know people might have opinions or feelings about like, well, if, if we're ready, we're ready, but they're very much um, ways that the brain interprets that, that if you have an, uh, an immediate uh, physical intimate situation with somebody, then that signals something different to the brain than if it were more of a situation where you're taking time to get to know each other. Right. 
And it's important to know, too, that while this may be an outdated trope, I think it's important to remember that um, some women use sex for love and some men use love for sex. And you can replace women and men probably with masculine and feminine energies. I don't know what's the case necessarily for queer relationships. I don't have experience there, so I can't speak to that. But it's typically been a case where some women will use sex for love and some men will use love for sex. So just be weary of that. That's why I'm saying like, if, if, um, you know, if, if you're honest with your intentions up front, you know, if you're looking for a partner or a fling or a casual thing, then say so from the outset, make that part of what's happening. Right. Cause that's when it gets into manipulative, ter- manipulative territory, when you show up unsure of what you want from somebody and then they expect a long-term thing, but you're trying to hang on to them because maybe they're good in bed, but you have no intentions of a long-term thing and you're just holding on to them, but they're sticking around because they genuinely like you. Like that is a failing of laying the cards out on the table from the start. And I think that only gets messy. That gets dramatic. That gets frankly immature. And I think it's important that, most of the time, if if you're straightforward with the idea that you're looking for a fling, as long as the other person's also honest with like them wanting that too, then everything works out much more cleanly. Uh, and so there's obviously always the, the risk of some sort of dishonesty or drama or something like that. But I think if you're taking responsibility for your honesty and your intentions from the outset, then you're at least halfway there. And so I think that's why it's important to use dating apps to your advantage and and talk for a while before you meet up um, if you are looking for a long-term thing, right? And But don't take too long to meet someone. I've watched plenty of the show Catfish and also with some of my own experience, like if you get stuck in avoiding the meetup process, then you could go years without meeting another person, or you could meet another person before you meet them. And then that gets all confusing. And you're like, why am I still, why am I not, why am I still thinking about this other person when I haven't even met them, but I'm with this other person. It it creates complications, like handle one thing at a time. Don't chicken out, be brave. You can do it. Go do the thing, go meet them. The worst that can happen is someone says no, or that you get information. And that's all we do as INTPs is get information. So go get the information, right? (laughs) And um, two final thoughts here is that one, that if things don't go your way, take a breath. Don't insult them. Don't throw a fit. If they don't like you, that's not usually, that's not always personal. There's so many factors that go into attraction that we can't control. It can be literally like smell or just like something about, uh, we have an EF field and electromagnetic an EM field and electromagnetic field that literally comes out of our heart up to five feet. And if someone doesn't like that energy or maybe it's them or you, it, there's really not always a way to tell it's just incompatible. And sometimes incompatibilities are just incompatibilities. It doesn't mean that it's personal. So, and you know, you may be thinking, well, why would INTPs take it personally? Well, inferior extroverted feeling, you know, you could get your hopes up. You could get 
really entangled with the idea and fantasy of what your life could look like with this person or really enjoy the moment with this person and want to keep it going. But now they're ruining it by telling you that they don't like you. And now you have to go find another moment and that's stressful or another person. And that's stressful. Uh, or also there are, are different Enneagram types and, and, and different life, life circumstances. And maybe you were modeled a certain reaction to disappointment and now you're expressing disappointment in that same kind of aggressive way. Uh, I think it is important that if you are going to be successful in dating to try not to do that. Um, but you know, got to learn. Sometimes you're going to learn the hard way and I can't stop you from doing that. And then, you know, lastly, I think it's important for you to have fun and not make, not make dating or relationships or the search for a partnership into a task. This is not something where you're trying to check off something from a list. This is a person you want to hang out with and spend time with and, and, and think about, they're going to have massive influences on your life. Uh, they're going to be a, a key component potentially. And so both have fun and take it seriously. Right. And I think that's what messes a lot of people up. You take the things seriously that need to be fun and you take the you try to make fun out of the things that need to be taken seriously. Right. And so I think at this point, if you do end up going on some dates and you find a person you really appreciate, I think it is important that perhaps you go to the website, happychemicals.org, go find that, that, uh, that program that we've created that Molly and I've created, uh, called finding and maintaining relationships for INTPs. I think it's only, $29 as of this recording. And I think it's got a world of value beyond that. So I recommend that you go check that out just to have that at, in your back pocket. You know, you watch it, maybe go on a couple of dates or maybe work on some relationship challenges. And then you go back and reference it when you have more challenges. And I've, I'm a person personally that is very, very self, um, very self pokey, <laughs> you know, very, very self-critical. I've learned a lot from my mistakes. I very much self-analyzed to the nth degree, but having Molly on this program with me was also incredible to get the ENFP perspective of being with an INTP and what we've learned from each other and um, how you as an INTP are not lost and hopeless when it comes to relationships, just because you're an INTP. That's just nonsense. That's just, that's just generic internet jarble from people who have not met other people. Right. And you're, you, you're a person who has interests. You're a person who has endless and boundless potential. You're someone who is capable of getting dressed and leaving the house. Right. You can, you can clean your room. You could do things. Maybe you've chosen not to. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe there's, uh, you know, maybe there's, there's all sorts of insecurity or bravery issues that you need to face, but you can either stay still and let the world grow around you, or you can participate and play the game and actually go experience the happiness that you desire. And I think you deserve it. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing this podcast. So 
I think uh, keep this one in your back pocket if you need to revisit it. And I would love to hear your questions if you have other things that you would like to know about, concerns, or stories. Um, especially if you've got success stories or, or even some of the horror stories. That's totally fine. I think that would be helpful to some other INTPs to support each other, to know what to look out for and um, how, to, how to help one another. So with all of that said... I have been C-Note, a.k.a. Christian Rivera. Go check out those two books that I recommended, Love Factually and Modern Romance. Those would be massively helpful. Um, And, you know, I hope either way, if you're single or you're with somebody, you're married, that you do have a good Valentine's Day. You treat yourself. You take care of yourself. You think about all of the love that you can experience in your life even if that's with yourself, (laughs) enjoy it. Um, and, uh, you know, today is just today and then tomorrow's tomorrow. So, you know, do your best. So with all that said, I appreciate you very much. Take care of yourself and your loved ones. And I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya. So this is a reminder that I'm going to probably start putting at the end of every show to let you know that this is just a show by a person that's just talking about what I think I know. And it's a lot of it is personal opinion or interpretations of ideas. And I personally am not going to attach or take any uh, personal responsibility for how you carry this information forward into your life. It is ultimately your responsibility to continue to research, to filter, to figure out what's true for you, to figure out how the world works on your own terms. From your perspective, I can only talk about my perspective. I can only talk about what I know or what I think I know. So do your best and don't take anything that I say as gospel. I hope that you can take whatever I'm sharing with you as something that you can go out into the world and experiment with. And um, I, I do hope that whatever sticks with you means a lot and does some good for you. Um, if not, do something else. <laughs> All right, this has been a C-Note Media, C-Note Studio, C-Note.Studio podcast. I'll catch you on the next one. And one final thing. I'm looking for sponsors. Uh, If you feel like what you offer, what you do, what you represent is something that my listeners would connect with, please send me an email at dopaminepodcast at gmail.com. Let's talk about numbers and possibilities and um, see if we can work together. That would be amazing. I would love to be able to get more revenue into this show so that I can do more shows and and do this whole thing. So dopaminepodcast at gmail.com. Put sponsorship in the title and I will check it out and we will chat. Thanks. Thanks.